to just remain on your feet. I'm on this in a moment to give a great welcome to a friend of mine. He's uh, one of the most powerful men moving in the Holy Ghost in the South Pacific. man who runs crusades in nations where thousands of people are impacted with tremendous miracles and come to Christ. Uh, he's a great man of God and he's a funny fella and he's, you're going to like him. It's Tim Hall. He's been with us before. Let's give him a great Hawks Bay welcome today as he comes up to minister. see you yes i'm all those things and and extremely humble that's my my great strength i, I actually i gave you more on that list i gave you another 10 things on that list you didn't read i offered you ten dollars and uh no my greatest strength is my humility um i was really working on it hard uh they gave me a badge humility badge and i wore it so much they took it off me they've stripped me of my humility. Take a seat, folks. It's a challenge this morning to preach. Let me tell you why. I came over here knowing that we would kill you at rugby league last night and uh, knowing that the old ruse would get up and, and smack the Kiwis up the side of the head. And uh, we hadn't lost for nearly 50 years over there in Sydney. And uh, what happens? Done like a dinner. And uh, so I want to congratulate you, and on behalf of Australia, eat a little bit more humble pie. Uh, I, I, was here, I was here in 1987, doing a lot of meetings around that. How many remember 1987? It's a long time ago. I remember it really well, very clearly. And I had to go to the... I was staying with these, uh, these people who are fanatical rugby union followers. Where I come from, we don't know anything about it. We come from Adelaide, South Australia. We just play Aussie rules, Aussie rules, and a bit more Aussie rules. We know what rugby league is. We're getting an idea that rugby union exists. Um, but we leave that to New South Wales and Queensland, who we are taking over with Australian rules. Absolutely demolishing. But I came here, and I didn't know anything about rugby, and I had to sit down and watch the All Blacks kill everybody every night. And uh, I was watching it one night. I thought, this is not a bad game. And then Buck Shelford came through and punched the Welsh captain in the head. I went, this is a good game. <laughs> no. And, uh, and then I got to know a few of the players, Zinzan, and, and I spent a fair bit of time in South Africa, I tell you, a lot of time. I was, in fact, I was over there three weeks ago, and I went to a Curry Cup game, and I saw the uh, Cheetahs. Cheetahs were playing the Lions. It was a great game. I got tickets, went down, and uh, what a wild game. You'd have to be a bit mad to play rugby. I would have really enjoyed it, I think. And uh, I think I would have liked it. You can get a bit of biffo in and get away with it. <laughs> so then get away with it. Anyway, it is good to be here with you, Reverend Connell. No, speaking of biff, he has biffed a lot of devils in Australia. And uh, unfortunately, they all left and came back over to New Zealand. They, I mean, he cast them out and... Uh, but he has a reputation, great reputation in Australia as a man of God. How many like having a man of God for a pastor? 
Are you happy to have him here? How many think that he is the best pastor in the whole, the whole country? Well, if you like him that much, let's take an offering up for him right now. Now, no, and uh, how many like Sue, uh, Joy? Yes. I got a real challenge this morning. I love this. This is what I really love about coming to New Zealand. The time at the moment for me is 11, quarter to 10, quarter to 9, quarter to 8, quarter past 7. That's great. Your body really feels like preaching. Yeah. Your, bo- your body's going, what are you doing, you idiot? I'm going, preaching. You never preach at this time. And I say, we well, just got to get used to it. I want to talk about a mongrel this morning. I'm going to talk about a mongrel. Not the mongrel mob. I'm going to talk about a mongrel. And uh, let's have a word of prayer. Because really, I think I need it. All right. (laughs) Let's have a word of prayer. Father, you know my physical state. How I haven't woken up yet. Help me, I pray. But oh, Heavenly Father, let the anointing be so real. Let the power of God hit this place like a firebomb. Father, come and do us good in a powerful, profound... In fact, everybody stand for a moment. Just lift your hands. Just invite the Holy Ghost to come in a big way. He loves being invited. He's already here, but just invite him to come in a stronger measure. Just... We're hungry, Father, radical and hungry. We're radically hungry. Oh, we're hungry. Hungry for the moving of your power. Shukarabashtaraba. Oh, that wakes you up. I think I need to pray for two people before I start. Come here, both of you. I prayed for you yesterday. Come back and have some more. Both of you, come up here. You, husband and wife, come up here. Just Just need to lay hands on someone, just to get loose. Just to get loose. Lift your hands up to God. I just need to loosen. I'm just shaking cobwebs off. You say, what are you doing? I'm shaking cobwebs. Amen. Nice top, Dave. Come and show everybody that. I've got to preach. I can't waste time. Get up here. Quickly show them. Turn around. Number eight. Turn around. Very nice. Very nice. Yes. No, it wouldn't fit. On your way. That's it. Well done. Now turn with me, please, in your Bible to the books of Joshua. Joshua. Genesis, Exodus, Joshua. And they're looking at Joshua 14. And I want to talk about an old bloke. I'm one of the oldest blokes here. I'm one of the very few wearing a tie. 
For those young people in the meeting, this is a called a tie. Um, we used to wear them many, many years ago. Um, didn't we, Maurice? Stand up, Maurice. Yeah, nice tie. Turn around. Well done. That's the Sicilian tie. That's, uh, don't tell anybody, but his father gave it to him. Don't, don't, don't tell anybody about it. Joshua 14. And uh, I want to talk about a mongrel. It says here, where's a good verse to start? I reckon I'll start around about verse 7. Um, Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly, 100%, followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you completely, wholly, utterly, totally followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and 5 years. How old was he? 85. It was his birthday. He says, and now the Lord has kept me alive these 40 and 5 years, even since the Lord spoke the word unto Moses, with the, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, today I am this day. This is my birthday. I am 85 years of age, and yet I am as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, not just strong, but for war. He said, I'm a warrior. He said, I'm 85, but I'm ready for battle. He said, I'm 85. He said, I'm 85. I'm not just, uh, I'm not just strong. I'm ready to go into battle. I'm not just ready to go into battle. I'll take on giants. I'm 85. I'm as strong today as I was at 40. I'm going to say something to you. It's not how old you are. It's how much mongrel you got in you. How many believe that? I, I've met some young poodles and some old rotwheelers. You, you say, what are you talking about mongrels this morning? I'll tell you in a minute, perhaps if I remember. So is my strength now for war to both to go in and to come out. You know, there was a film of, um, uh, what was his name, Alexander the Great. And it was the only general I've ever seen in history riding into uh, battle in pink armor carrying a handbag. But he... he But in his, in the real, not Hollywood, but in the real days of Alexander, his most powerful fighting unit was a group of men, none of whom were under 60. The most feared unit of his army were all over 60 years of age. And all the 60-year-olds in the place said, there's not a lot of us, I'm not 60 yet, I'm working towards it. But how many, I won't even ask, how many people have hit the big six? Oh, well done, there's a man, brother, proud of it. Others are more reticent, but there's a, a proud brother. And a sister over there going, yes, yes, and watch out for me. Exactly. His most powerful group were over 60. Over 60. They were the ones feared because they had it in here. They still had fit bodies, but they had it in here. Don't underestimate us oldies. Don't wipe us off. We've got, we got a thing in here called Ting Ting. Uh, I, wish, I wish I still had the body. Mind you, it's still pretty impressive.
Hey, I've just lost 18 kilograms. I've discovered. I, I used to have a washerboard stomach. Now I've got the washing machine. And no, no, I used to. I used to have a washerboard stomach when I was young. Then I developed a full washing machine and spin dryer, and now I'm working my way back to a washerboard. But uh, I've got rid of 40 pound of fat. Someone said the other day. Someone said the other day, "How'd you like to lose 10 pound of ugly fat?" I said, "I'd love to." They said, "Cut your head off." And uh, he says, "I'm 85." And I am as strong for war today as I was at 40. Don't underestimate. Can I move this? Can I move this to the middle? I hate the, I can't work from the angle. I've got to line up exactly with that side of the body. I'm an artist. I just have, I can't work off center. It's like, can you? You can't do it, can you? No. Let me stop waffling. This is early morning waffle when you go, huh, where am I? And uh, he said, I'm as strong now, did I mention that? At 85, to go in and to come out and to make war. He said, I'm a warrior. I'm an 85-year-old warrior. Do you know what the name Caleb means? The name Caleb means forcible, yelping, attacking dog. I have, I've just, my, I've paraphrased it as vicious mongrel. Vicious mongrel. I want to tell you, if we're going to do something for God, we need to have some vicious mongrel. We're, no, we need some vicious mongrel. Everybody here that's got a bit of vicious mongrel in them, on the count of three, I want to bark, a howl, uh, I want to growl, I don't care, but I want, I want some vicious mongrel in the house. Are you ready? One, two, three. Oh, 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 Frighten the little fella. He just took off. I was at a house in England years ago. I was preaching over there. And they put me up in these people's house. And uh, they all smoked and they had the windows closed. I thought I was going to die in the house. It was unbelievable. And they had dogs. And it stunk of dogs and cigarettes. And they had no windows open. And uh, you felt like you were breathing in their carpet every breath. It was just great. This was a few years back. And uh, a lot of years back. And uh, when we used to get put into unbelievable situations, you remember some of those? You know, you get put up in a tree for the night. And uh, they had a mastiff, one of those dogs with a head on it like a lion. And uh, I was a bit wary of it around the house, but I came in one night and everybody was sitting watching TV. And I thought, I'll just sneak up behind them and let a dog bark go, just to terrify them. Because you have to do that sort of thing in the ministry. So I just went up and I went, <coughs> and the head of the mastiff came over the seat. And I took off up the stairs with a mastiff after me. But yeah, and I, the rest of the time, I walked very cautiously around the house. And the dog just looked at me with that look where they give you the white of the eye and say, <laughs> no, that's all. And then he's, he goes on and he says, now, therefore, give me this mountain. Give it to me. You promised it to me 45 years ago. And I have never lost the vision for it. I've never lost the dream. I've never lost my dream. I've never lost my strength. I've never lost my sense of passion. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. I will not let it go. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. I wake up with it. I carry it through the day. This mountain has consumed my life. My desire to fulfill and take this mountain is the dominant thing. I wholly serve God, but I dream my mountain. I dream my mountain. 
Every person in this room have a mountain. Every person in this room have a mountain that God has promised you. Every person here has something that you want from life. A lot of Christians don't seem to want much. They're quite happy to have a car, a house, have their kids through school and get by and sing a few choruses on Sunday and read their Bible now and again and they're pretty happy. But other Christians, like the Christians in this church, individually have mountains in their heart. Uh, something that God has breathed, something that God is talking about for the future, something that God has been describing for here, something that God has been describing for this district. I tell you, the first time I came here, I was thinking back, and this morning I was sitting here and I thought, I came here years ago when a guy called Les Dowie was here. Do you remember Les Dowie? And I went to the AOG church. Les Dowie was the pastor. And uh, we had meetings there many, many years ago. I don't think there were many people there, maybe 70 people in the meeting first night. And I preached the first night. It was the hardest meeting that I'd ever done in my life. Um, nothing happened. I laid hands on people and they defied me to try and get some power into them. And, and I got down to the end of the line and I had a, a word of knowledge about a guy who damaged his neck or his spine or something. And and laid hands on him and it was like the, all the power that was due for the whole altar call hit one guy and he went flying into a row of seats and got miraculously healed miraculously that's here and uh that was just the start and i went home and i thought that's been a dreadful meeting apart from that bloke that got healed that's the only good thing that happened he rang me up in the morning about seven o'clock in the morning and uh he said uh pastor tim i said yeah 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 it's acting awake and i wasn't <laughs> you know when you're trying to act awake and you're not and he said uh he said, I got healed last night. I said, oh, praise God. That's fantastic. Yes, brother, that's, uh, I was trying to act awake. Yes, oh, hallelujah, brother. I've been up for hours in the Greek, uh, Hebrew, a bit of Japanese. And, and uh, he said, I got healed last night. I said, I know that. He said, I've just rung a friend of mine. He said, I've told him you'll come over at nine o'clock and raise him up. I said, who, who brother, who? Now I'm nervous, who? I thought, why don't you just take your healing and shut up and you know, just relax instead of trying to put me under pressure. He said, oh, a friend of mine, he said, and this is here in, in Hastings, he said he, uh, he was uh, crushed by a truck. A truck out, out, ran him into a wall, crushed his spine, he's bent double. His, one of his legs is three or four inches shorter than the other, and for a number of years he's been bent facing the ground and living on painkillers. And he said, I told him you'd be over at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock to raise him up. I thought, you idiot. <laughs> so that's what I really thought. He might be, the man might be here today. I thought, you idiot. Thank you very much. And the guy was jumping around. He's a new convert, full of that excitement that new converts we haven't bashed out of him yet. And uh, he was just full of excitement. He was just, he was stirred. And uh, I said, what time are you coming? He said, I'll be over there at nine o'clock sharp to pick you up. I said, oh, thank you very much. So I'm eat eating my wheat bix and getting a hurried prayer in. Hallelujah. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And I, and I got in the car. I said, is he saved? He said, he doesn't know anything about the Lord. I said, oh, thanks very much. It's great got to the house here somewhere in Hastings wife came to the door and she looked miserable she looked like a truck had gone over her and she was worried and upset and she said he's in terrible pain I thought oh great and I said, come and sit in the lounge so I went and sat in the lounge when she brought him in and helped him in he was a disaster he was bent double he was grimacing with the pain sat him in a chair and I thought here I am called to raise him up and I felt absolutely powerless and I didn't even like to look at him. Every time I looked at him, any little bit of faith I had went down the drain. And uh, I, was, I was already down the drain. I was already heading for the S-Bend. I was going. And uh, I was gone. I mean, it, all he had to do was look sideways at me. I knew that I'd be flushed. Gone. And uh, I looked at him. I said, look, I can't raise you up, brother. I, I can't heal you, which is not true. 
but I, I put it all on Jesus so I wouldn't look stupid. And I said, only, only, yes, brother, only Jesus can heal you. I, I, I'm merely a messenger bringing the word, yea, truly. And, you know, as an assembly's lad, yes, yea, verily, many would say, uh, yea, truly. And uh, I tried to act spiritual. I had a red tie on. I tried to look quite spiritual. Had a briefcase, nothing in it, but had it. And uh, I sat down and I said, look, his name was Lee. I said, Lee, uh, I can't do it for you, but let's t- just, just tell you what Jesus can do. And I didn't look at him. I started reading. I took him into, into Exodus 15, 26. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'm the Lord your physician. And took him into Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not one of his benefits. Just forgives all your iniquities. Heal all your diseases. And I said, that's all, Lee. And, and I'm going through scripture after scripture in Isaiah 53. And then over into Matthew 8, 17, where it says, At evening they brought all that were sick and all that were possessed of the devil and healed them all that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself bear our disease, carried our pain. I told him all that stuff, told him some stories, made a couple up. And uh, <laughs> basically just, and I looked at him and his eyes were bugging out of his head. I didn't really make any up. Well, maybe I did, I don't know. I was desperate. Desperation brings all sorts of things out of a man. And uh, his eyes were poking out and uh, I knew he was ready. And I just went over to him. I grabbed the other guys and I said, come on over here, you guys. Grabbed this other young guy that was jumping around. And, I don't know if you're here this morning, sir. You may be here. So I'm going to make this sound better. But, and we all got over there and I said, now, and he looked at me. I could see faith in his eyes. I said, stand up. And he stood up on his halfway. And I said, no, no, no. In Jesus' name, stand up on your feet. Stand straight. And he went crack, crack, crack. And he's back straightened for the first time. And everybody in the room, the power of God hit the room. And, uh, well, all of a sudden it was, well, glory to God, hallelujah. We, you know, we all of a sudden waxed very valiant in battle. But uh, his leg was still short. We sat him down and, and I watched his leg. You know, I used to be a bit nervous about that leg extending. Whoop, back too long. <laughs> How tall do you want to be? Two, I'll take six foot five. Thank you very much. And uh, he used to be a little bit carried away. But anyway, I laid hands on him and, and his leg. And he got up, everybody in the place got saved. And two nights later, we had 600 people in the meetings. In Hastings. And the power of God hit. And so that, I just mentioned that. Nothing to do with the message. The Bible says, therefore, give me this mountain. What mountain do you want? What's your mountain? What are you wanting? What is the mountain for your family? What's the mountain for your life? What is the mountain that you want? What is the mountain for your ministry? What are the things that you want? How hungry are you? Are you hanging on? Are you writing that thing? Are you speaking it? Are you living it? Is that, is that thing that God has put in your heart? Is it dominating your thoughts? Is it, are you doing every... My, my son-in-law is... Uh, uh, or my wife, Jackie, is married to Russell Evans. So Sam Evans is um, Jackie's daughter. And Russ was in one of Rodney Howard Brown's meetings. And uh, he was in the meeting. Power of God hit him. He hit the deck. He rolled under a seat got up and he started running around the building and as he ran around the building he said he felt like his feet were on fire and God said to him start a youth conference Planet Shakers Youth Conference it started in a, in a Rodney Howard Brown meeting can you believe that it was birthed in a Rodney Howard Brown meeting under an encounter from God under an, listen an encounter from God is when God births things into your spirit he took off and knew that he was going to start a youth conference took off around that building he began his conference I spoke in one of the first couple of them I don't now. I think age has caught up with me a little bit, but, but I'm coming back. I refuse to be considered old. I'm a young man. I mean, I'm doing youth conferences now. I'm, I just did Get Smart around the country. Anyone get to the Get Smart meetings? No, thanks very much. 
They love me. All these young guys, they go, oh, you're a good old bloke. I said, thank you very much. We're encouraged. But he lives that thing. He's gone into Melbourne, started a, a Planet Shakers church. He's been going just under two years, and they're pushing 3,000 now. In Melbourne, they're, they're 20,000 in their conferences, and he eats that thing, sleeps that thing. His kids come over, and they're in the backyard. They've got the drums out playing Planet Shakers. They're up preaching, playing Planet Shakers. They're in the doll's house in our backyard, the house thing that you put kids in, lock them in, and get a barbed wire and put the dogs around it. And... They're living it. They're living it. We've got to dream our mountain. He said, give me my mountain. Listen to this for a couple of moments. Bible says here, he said, in that day, I heard how Anakim's giants were there. I love his attitude to giants. I love the attitude that he had to giants. In Numbers 14, he made the statement. He said, I know there's giants there. He went in. He went in with 12 of them. There were 12 leaders. Do you, can you realize that those spies that went into the promised land were selected leaders from every tribe? They were probably the, the key people of every tribe. They were the leaders. They weren't just spies chosen at random. There were 12 of them. Each of them were leaders. They were chosen, selected. These were probably men of valor, men of might, men of leadership. And they came back and only two of them, one called Caleb, the wild dog, and the other one called Joshua, which means Jehovah's Savior or Jesus, went into the promised land. And I want to tell you, Jesus takes wild dogs in and gives them a glimpse of the promised land. And... Uh, he takes the wild dogs in. We need a wild dog spirit. We need something in us that barks, something that howls. We need something that growls. We need something that says, I'm going to take my destiny. We, we need something that when the giants rise up and says, you're not going to make it, something rises up and says, I'm going to have my mountain. I'm going to have my mountain. I'm going to have my mountain. And he says, I went in that day and there were giants there. It's interesting what he said. When, when they got up and 10 of those spies said, we can't go in. We're not able. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And uh, we've become like grasshoppers in our own sight. We've become small thinkers. And Caleb and Joshua stood up and they said, we are well able to go in. And not only that, said Caleb, he said, the inhabitants there, the giants, they are bread to us. They are breakfast to us. They are our food. We eat them. We swallow them up. We eat them up, we chew them up, and we spit them out. I, I love David. How many love David? Caleb said, Caleb said, we are well able to go in and take it. The giants there are our breakfast. David had an attitude. How am I, how am I going for time, Reverend? What time do we finish? Just after half past. That's perfect. Joshua went in, and he didn't fear his giants. He wanted his mountain. He didn't care that it was full of giants. He went in, he never lost sight of the promise. He kept seeing the inheritance. He didn't see the giants. He didn't see the strong fortified cities. All he saw was his inheritance. If God has an inheritance for you, forget the giants, forget the strong fortified cities. You'll swallow them up, they'll be your breakfast. His passionate vision kept him physically strong. He proudly declared that his strength hinged on totally following God. His confession did not change. And the Bible says God had given him another spirit. And I want that other spirit. I want that spirit like he and David. I mean, David, how many love the spirit that David showed when he fought Goliath? You know, let, let's have a look at it for a moment. I wasn't going to go there, but it sounds like a pretty good idea at the time. Go with me to, to 1 Samuel. And we all know the story. We all know the story of David and Goliath. The Bible says there was this champion called Goliath. You know, Goliath, the name Goliath means one that strips the captives and leaves them naked. He's one that strips. Giants, giants strip you. They strip you of your vision. 
They strip you of your dream. They strip you of your, of your purpose. They strip you of your self-confidence. They strip you of your esteem. They strip you of relationships. They strip you of hope. They strip you of your relationship with God. They get in the road between you and God and they try to block him out so that the giants look big and God looks small. And so there was this giant called Goliath and, uh, and this young man uh, called David. The Bible says here, that this Goliath would come out and taunt the armies. I've found, I began to study giants. I've just done a study of giants. And uh, there's no need to look it up now, but in, in uh, 1 Samuel 22, you'll read there of giants. I, be, I studied the giants in detail, every one of them, Ishbibanov and the bloke that had six toes on each hand and six uh, uh, fingers on each foot. Um, and I found that every one of the giants, in 2 Samuel 21, if you want to do some homework there on that, you'll find that every one of them got killed. Every giant that came into battle got killed. Not one giant in the Bible ever succeeded. Not one ever succeeded in laying a blow. Not one of them ever did anything but intimidate. Not one giant in the Bible ever succeeded in putting a wound on a, a man or woman of God. Not one. In fact, every one of them went down. Every one of them was slain. Every one of them died. Every one of them were killed pretty graphically and pretty speedily. And David's mighty men pursued them, hunted them down right to Gath, which was their nest. And there in Gath, you read in 1 Samuel 22, he, he pursued them to their own city and put them down. Giants go down. They never defeat. In fact, the only time their weapons were ever used, the only time I read of giants' weapons ever being used against a mighty man or mighty person of God it wasn't actually used on them it was taken by the mighty man in David's case the sword was taken Goliath's sword was taken in David's hand and cut his own head off the last thing that Goliath saw as he looked up his face down on the ground he looked up and saw a giant sword raised cutting into the back of the tendon in his neck carving with a second chop into the bone a few chops uh, a couple of twists a couple of hacks and then pushed through into the windpipe carotid artery and so on as his head was severed with his own weapon and the other weapon that was used the giant's weapon that was used was used by the giant who took on one of david's mighty men and the bible says the mighty man took the weapon uh, i think it was benaiah took it out of the hands of the giant egyptian took the spear like a weaver's beam i'm spitting it's a problem this morning uh it's not that bad yet no one's coming on a jet ski took the spear out of the hand of the giant turned it around and drove it back in the giant the only weapons of giants that ever succeeded were used on themselves we have the story of goliath he was an intimidator it wasn't his weapons it was his constant battering wearing down i want to tell you the devil wants to say to you you can't take your mountain you can't have your mountain he'll speak against your mountain he'll speak against your health he'll speak against your family he'll speak and tell you that nothing's going to make it. He'll keep speaking it. He'll keep speaking it. And we're either going to let him keep doing it, or we're going to stand up like David and bring him down. I love the fact that Goliath, uh, Goliath constantly was crying out, send me out a man, send me out a man. And there wasn't a man in the Jewish army that would stand up. Even Saul, who once carried a mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost, once been anointed mightily, would not stand up seven feet tall. But instead of that, the words went into the atmosphere. And we know that Goliath's words went into the atmosphere. Send me a man or give me a man. And God in heaven looked down and said, You want a man? I'm going to give you a freckle-faced boy about 17. And he's going to smack you very badly up the side of the head. That's how God talks to me. Tim, I need to talk to you. He doesn't really, but he could. You see, he doesn't talk like the Godfather. He's God and the Father. He can. He's allowed. But uh, the word went out. And God said, you want a man? You want a man? Well, I'm not even going to send a bloke in armor. I'm not even going to send a man who's been trained with sword or spear. 
I've got a kid in the back blocks who's been even rejected by his own father, who's not considered worthy uh, by his own family. He's out there looking after some sheep, but I've been training him alone out there. In the secret place, I've been training him. I want to tell you right now, Goliath is crying out in this nation, send me out a man. And God's saying, I've got some hidden away right now in the secret place. And I'm training their hands for battle. I'm training their fingers for war. You see, David was out there in the field and out in the field at night when the, when it was cold, the lions would roar. I was in Africa for four and a half months by truck. I went right through the middle of Africa. And I remember hearing the, I was on guard duty in, in, uh, uh, near Kilimanjaro and you could hear the lions roaring and it sounded like they were 10 feet away through the cold air. It's quite terrifying. And David sat out there alone of a night with a fire with McDonald's hamburgers all around him. Uh, not only was there the big M sign up, but they were, bah, 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 come and get us. And that place is full of lions, big lions. And little David would sit by the fire and there he would play his harp and he'd worship God. And he'd begin to declare, Lord, you are my shepherd. You're my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh God, your rod and my staff, they comfort me. I'm not afraid out here. I'm not afraid. You're training my hands for war, my fingers for battle. You, you're giving me strength that's not my own so that my, so that my hands will bend a bow of bronze. You're making me a warrior alone out here in the wilderness with the roar of the lions around me out here in the loneliness and the hard stuff. You're making a man of God. You're making a man of God. And then one day Jesse said, you've got to come, David. And little David got up. He killed a lion and he killed a bear. And now he came down carrying the cheese, came down to see his brothers. We know the story that Goliath yelled out. All the men fell down. He said, what are you men on mice? They started squeaking and he handed them the cheese. How am I going for time, Reverend? Got another five. Can I steal seven? All right. Oh, good. Praise God. Curse the devil. David did something. When Goliath started roaring, he got mad on the inside. Let me tell you, when the Goliaths roar at you and say, you're not going to have your victory, you're not going to have your giant, you're not going to take your mountain, you're not going to have the breakthrough in your family. I've got giants roaring at me. I've shared a lot with Pastor in relation to my family. I've been through some stuff in my family that, uh, uh, with my eldest daughter that just uh, uh, basically has put me in touch with most of the criminal element of, of Adelaide. And... Uh, there's nothing to sit down now with uh, a woman who runs the prostitution chain of Adelaide. Sitting, she's actually the grandmother of my eldest grandson, and we're we're the grandparents. Um, I sit down. She's on one side. She likes to meet me at a pub and talk, which is quite exciting. The man of God goes in, sits down there with Australia's biggest uh, um, brothel owner, and we discuss my grandson. It's like the devil wants my grandson and. God does, but I've got good news. The devil's having him. I've got bad news for the devil. He's going to get his head kicked in and flattened once again. In fact, I've got giants that roar at my life and they say, hey, you're not going to have your mountain. I've had a lot of giants telling me, you're not taking your mountain. Your mountain's gone. Forget your mountain. You can't take it. So it's past. Too old. People don't want you do it's so on you get all these voices come at you well the good news is we're going to have our mountain and uh when goliath started roaring and started to intimidate everybody little david stood up and he got mad he got dog dern mad in the words of clint eastwood 
There's a time you just got to get dog darn mean. And you got to start to snarl and growl. You know when the Bible says to meditate on the word day and night? You know that word to meditate, one of the really good meanings of it is to growl, growl like a wild beast with its prey. You growl the word of God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that's raised against me in judgment, I will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of God. I'm the head, not the tail. Above only, never below. Growling the word. Like a wild animal, growling the word. Meditate. Growl it day and night. Growl it at the devil. Growl it in the heavenlies. You like that? Anyone excited by that? David got mad. And then he asked a question. He said, what's the reward for killing this giant? What's the reward? I want to say something to you. Every giant that comes against your life and you bring it down, there's a reward. For David, the reward for killing Goliath was to step into kingly dominion. Very often, your stepping stone into a great dimension of ministry is going to be over the carcass of some giant that right now is rearing in your face. The next step for you into a place of dominion is more than likely, I just felt the Lord say to me, Tim, walk over this giant, step up into the greatest anointing you've ever dreamed. It's no fun when you're facing them. Although David seemed to like it. David said, what's the reward? They said, there's a, a great reward. Great wealth. He said, I like that. The king's daughter, he said, she's not bad to look at. Tax-free for your family the rest of your life. He said, yeah, that's got a good point to it as well. He said, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Word got around. He started to say, I can take this turkey. I can, I can take it. Word got to the king. The king said, bring the kid in. And brought him in. And he looked at him and he saw something on him that he'd once known. He saw the anointing on him that he had once experienced when the oil had been poured on his head. He saw something in his eye that he'd once had on his own. He saw something on this young man. He saw this young man carrying something, that intangible thing called the anointing of the Holy Ghost, that, that awesome thing that separates the average Christian from the warrior Christian, that separates the average, ordinary, half-hearted, half-baked, tiny Tim, Mickey Mouse, tiny Tim, tiptoeing through the tulips Christian, from the one who's got the Caleb mongrel spirit, the one who's got the spirit that says, I want a mountain, the one that says, I'm going through, I'm going to take my mountain, I want something in God, I'm going to achieve something in God. David said, I can do it. Word got to the king. The king brought him in. He said, what makes you think you can do it? He said, sir, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear. Use my own hands. Use the weapons God had given me. I killed him. And uh, the lion went down screaming and the bear went down. And uh, I feel very confident that I can give this guy uh, the similar treatment. Very similar. In fact, the same. The king looked at him and why would the king let a 16-year-old boy go out and represent his army? Because he must have felt God fill the room. He must have felt the anointing of a warrior. He must have felt that tangible sense of the purpose of God. He must have felt the wheels within wheels. He must have felt that he was a young man who'd reached down between the, the wheels and taken coals from the altar and was carrying them in his belly.
I feel God entering the house. David said, I could do it. And the king said, try on my armor. He must have been silly enough to try it on for a moment. Obviously, he didn't fit. He said, no, out there in the wilderness, God has trained me. I've been trained alone. I've been spending a lot of time out there. I remember as a young man, I used to go 20, 30, 40 days and just get up into the northern Flinders Ranges, take a bus and then a light plane and get dropped off right out in the outback and stay out there for 20, 30 days and just seek the face of God, seek the anointing, seek the touch of God. And really it's, it's alone in the spirit, alone with God, where God begins to put the things into your hands that will be manifest in meetings. It's when God is trained. And some of you are being trained by God right now in the secret place. Some of you are getting ready. Some of you, God has taken hold of you and he's training your hands for battle. Some of you secretly are crying out, God, I want to operate the gifts of the Spirit. God, I want to be, I want to be like pastor. I want to move in tremendous deliverance. I want, to, I want discernment and wisdom. I want to move in that realm. Somebody else is praying, God, I know the, the, the voice of the Lord is pretty silent in many parts of our nation now. And we used to be known as a prophetic land with a great white cloud. It was people from all over the world would say, you want a prophet, get one out of New Zealand. And people come out of New Zealand as a prophetic voice for the world. They came all over the world as a prophetic voice out of New Zealand. And some of you are praying, my God, would you, would you load my mouth with the prophetic fire? Would you put the fire in my belly? Would you let the prophetic burn out of my mouth? Let it, God, put it in me. God, stir the gifts. Some of you are praying, let the healing power of God be manifest through my hands. Some are praying, oh God, would you use me? Would you let me preach? God, I want to touch the multitudes. I want to go and preach to uncountable multitudes of humanity. And you're alone and some people don't even know what you've been praying. Some people have no idea what you've been dreaming. Some have no idea what the mountain is that's in you. But God has given you faith to believe that before long, out of obscurity, Elijah suddenly appeared. We have no warning of Elijah appearing on the page of Scripture. The Bible simply says in in uh, 1 Kings 17, is it? And Elijah the Tishbite, one of the inhabitants of Gilead, suddenly, suddenly appeared and went before King Ahab. Suddenly, came from nowhere. And he stood before King Ahab and he said, King Ahab, the God before whom I stand has sent me. Where was the God before whom he stood? I tell you, in the desert wilderness of Gilead. And he stepped out of the desert of Gilead into the pages of global history. He stepped out of the lonely place of Gilead. He stepped out of the, pl the windswept place of Gilead and walked into eternal history carrying the impact of Almighty God such that at his word the sky was closed up. Don't underestimate what's happening to you in the secret place. Don't feel you're wasting your time. Don't feel that it's a wasted effort. Press in. David said, what's the reward? And he was told, the king said, try my armor. He said, I've got my own. And he went down to the brook. And he scooped the brook. Down the bottom of the brook, he reached in under the beautiful flowing waters of that brook. Those waters that at times were so quick and so fast that they turned the rocks over and over and over and over and smoothed them. He reached down into the brook and he pulled out six, six stones? Seven? Five, just checking. Pretty early. Five stones, that's right. One for Goliath. And if you're taking a six gun into a battle, you always have it fully loaded. 
So they put the others in his pocket. Maybe they were for Goliath's brothers, Ishbibanob and the one with all the fingers and toes. I don't know. But he walked onto the battlefield and he maybe even got one sharp. You see, the brook to me speaks of the anointing of God. The stones speak of the words that we put into our spirit and feed them in. And they get into our spirit and the anointing of God washes over them and over them and over them. We speak them and we declare them and they get washed about under the anointing of God as we're praying, as we're worshipping, we're singing them, we're speaking them and they get turned over and over until they become very sharp, until they become very sharp. You can't kill giants with blunt rocks. Let me say it again, you can't kill giants with blunt rocks. And he went onto the battlefield with five sharp stones, sharp edges, smooth, sharp, they flew beautifully. And I reckon he inscribed the name Goliath on one and put it in a sling. He walked out onto the battlefield, and I love the story. I love the story. David walked onto the battlefield. As he walked out there, Goliath began to curse him in the name of his gods. He began to curse him in the name of, of all of his gods, uh, Dagon and Milcom and Moloch and whoever else of his crowd, Ashtoreth, the rest of them. He began to curse him, and uh, he cursed him. He said, what am I? What am I? Some freak that you come to me with sticks and stones what am i am i a dog that you come to me with sticks and stones and he began to curse little david and david looked up and he said number one who are you you uncircumcised philistine you are uncircumcised you are not part of the covenant i don't come representing myself i come under a clothing you don't even understand i come under a mantle i'm just wearing an animal skin cloth but i come clothed with the majesty and the power of the eternal god who you are taunting and uh and not only that he says this day listen to this this day god has given you as a gift into my hands david didn't see him as a giant to intimidate and frighten him he saw him as a gift from god upon whose carcass he would step up into kingship he didn't really know what it was going to be but he knew that by stepping on the carcass of that big giant for want of a better word he would step into authority and strength. He said, who are you, uncircumcised Philistine, that you would taunt the armies of the living God this day? God has given you into my hand. I am going to kill you, hurt you, smack you around, take your head off and really do some damage to you. And then the Bible says David ran straight at his giant, looked at him, declared where he was going. He declared who he was. He declared who he was. He said, I'm of the covenant of God and you're my gift. And he ran at him. That is exactly what you do with the giants that get in your face. There may be giants today in your body, in your health. There may be giants in your family. You've got to declare who they are, a gift from God, and who you are, a covenant man or covenant woman. And then you run with purpose. And you take the stone of the word that applies, the words that apply to your situation, get them under the brook of the anointing of God, feed on them, turn them over and over under the anointing of the Spirit until they're sharp, and put them in that sling and wind them up. All my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace thereof no weapon formed against me shall prosper says the Lord and every tongue that's raised against me in judgment I will condemn and it was late in the afternoon a reverse swing was applying the ball was swinging away outside the off helmet then it came back in late found the gap between the visor and buried into his head Goliath fell on his face and little David ran across there I don't know why we think he's little, he could have been 6'5 drew the sword 
freckle-faced kid in his late teens, lifted this massive sword. Goliath, still with a rock stuck in his head, looked up just in time to see the blade of his own sword cut off his head. And David took the sword of his intimidation and the head of his authority and walked off the battlefield. Let me tell you, there's a giant who is a gift to you. Whatever your circumstance, whatever the giant you have right now, he's a gift. Look him and see him as such and know that as you approach it, as David did, you'll walk off the battlefield with his head of control and his weapon of intimidation and you'll carry it late before the king. Let's just bear in prayer for a moment. How am I I for time? I've gone a bit long again, haven't I? Are you all right? Okay. Everybody in the building, just close your eyes for a moment. Father, let the glory absolutely fill the house. Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are facing giants right now. Some of you got giants in your home. Some of you got giants in your family. Some of you got unbelievable things in your face right now. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Some of you are facing enormous things. But God's in control. Someone say God's in control. That's good water too. That's great. Thank you. Jesus. Everybody stand for a moment. First thing I want to ask you this morning is, do you know Jesus? Do you know the giant killer? Have you got a a living relationship with the giant killer? Has Christ the giant killer, the one who descended into hell, put his foot on the head of Satan, took the keys of his intimidation and crushed the head of his control, walked triumphant out from the dead? Do you have the giant killer living within you? If you've got the giant killer within you, then you're going to kill your giants. You're going to go through. You're going to have a strength and a triumph within you that the world does not understand you'll have king jesus ruling and reigning in righteousness and strength have you invited him to come and wash you clean of sin and to make you new have you have you asked him to come into your life and change you have you asked him to come in and cleanse you of every sin and to make you a new person this morning in this meeting you may not know the lord jesus christ you may have come to this church you know about him but you've never known that moment where you open your heart and he comes in you've never known that incredible moment where you open up your heart and the King of Glory rides in and takes residence within your life and you know that you're saved. You may be here tonight and you know about God, but you're backslidden. I tell you, uh, King Saul could not fight the giant. Once he could have, because he had the anointing on him. But he was a backslider. Backsliders can't kill giants and can't take mountains. You may know about God, but you say, today's my day to find him. Today's my day. Today's my day. I want to find him today. I've known about him. People have told me about him. Today's my day to take a step, a strength of, uh, a step of strength. Today's my day to step out of my place with strength, to make a decision that's concrete and strong. I want every person that would say this morning, I need Jesus in this house. I need him. 
I need to be saved. I need to come back to him. I need to find him personally. If that's you this morning, just lift your hand up wherever you are. Just so that's me, nice and high. There's a hand back there. God bless you quickly. Others over here quickly. Others over there. God bless you. Someone else, someone else quickly. Just lift it up. There's someone at the back. You're backslidden today. You need to come back. Lift up your hand quickly. That's me. There's someone there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That's it. You may put your hands down. Some of you may know about him, but you've never actually found him. Would you lift your hand up quickly? Say, that's me. I want him today. Quickly, slip it up wherever you are. Just lift your hand nice and high, quickly. Quickly, wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you are. Okay. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask that every person that lifted their hand in just a moment would leave their place and come down here to the front. I'm going to ask you just to take a walk down here. I want to pray with you this morning. Before I do... Christians, would you turn to the person next to you and just say, if you would like to go, if you'd like to go and make that decision, if you'd like to go down and take that step for Christ, I'll go and stand with you. I'll go with you this morning. I'll just stand alongside you like an armor bearer. Why don't we go together? Just turn to that person next to you. Those that lifted their hand, just come. Those that have lifted their hand, just come. Christians from all over the building, God bless you this morning. Christians from all over the building, just come. Just Christians, ask your friend. Say, come on, let's go. Those that lifted their hand, won't you come right now? Just come. Don't be shy, sir. Come. Let me pray for you. Just come this morning. Just come. Everyone that's lifted their hand, just come. Come this morning. That's right. Come down this morning. Come down this morning. Come down this morning. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you today. Keep coming from all over the building. You're backslidden this morning. Come on. You don't know God. Come on. You know about him, but you've never really found him. Come on this morning. Come on now. Come on. Spirit of God's moving here. I'm just waking up. It's about eight o'clock now. Come on down. Just come. Just come. Just come in Jesus' name. God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? Keep coming. Someone else? Keep coming. Someone else? Keep coming. Keep coming this morning. Keep coming. Keep coming this morning. Keep coming. Are there others? Close your eyes with me. I want you to pray this prayer, each one that's come. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that He died on a Roman cross to cleanse me from every sin. This morning, Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart. I ask you to come in, to change me, to make me new. I give you my life. I receive you as my Savior. Come within my heart, giant killer of sin, giant killer of devils. Come and dwell within me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I just pray for each one standing here this morning that this would be the start of a new beginning, a whole new day, a new thing. In Jesus' name, touch them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wonder if you guys would, each that have come, just turn and go with Brother, what's his name? Yeah, Brother Dark, Pastor Dark. And come back in. We just want to give you something and then come back into the meeting. Would you do that? Just wander through this way. That's right. God bless you this morning. That's it. God bless you. God bless you.
I want you to do something this morning. What time, what's, what, well, how much time do we have, Reverend? Just tell me when to, soon? I want you to do something. I've gone a little bit low. I tell you, this preaching at 7 o'clock in the morning, my brain, I think I did it right considering the timing. And by tonight, it'll be early afternoon, so I'll be really fresh and awake and alive this afternoon. I'll be preaching about 2 o'clock this afternoon. Adelaide time is great. I love it. But I want you to do something. I want every person with spinal trouble, every person that has conditions of the bones, spinal problems, neck, knees, elbows, joints, step into the aisle. Don't come to the front. Just step into the aisle. Just step into the aisle. watched that guy here a number of years ago stand bolt upright his spine cracked he stood bolt upright totally healed it was a, it was a really great miracle and uh, it wasn't in India or Africa or China or Malaysia or Papua New Guinea it was, it was here in New Zealand best two miracles some of the best miracles I've ever seen in my life it's a little boy raised from the dead in Australia in one of our meetings and it's Australia, New Zealand. God can do anything here that he can do anywhere in the world. In fact, I'm finding it getting easier in Australia and New Zealand to get miracles than often some of the third world countries now. And especially this country. God's about to heal people. How many believe you're going to get healed? Father, there's some mountains this morning. Disease is going to go. Sickness is going to go. Sickness is going to go. Pain's going to go. Spinal conditions are going to be healed. Bone conditions are going to be healed in the name of Jesus. We declare it in the realm of the spirit that right now we are taking dominion over arthritis, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, somebody with a prolapsed disc in their spine. Power of God is about to come on you. Damage right at the very base of your spine. In fact, the person's on the left-hand side here, someone with damage at the base of your spine that has also caused uh, uh, sciatic pain right down over your hip and into your legs God wants who is that give me a wave whoever that is this morning God's going to heal you this morning God wants to heal you this morning wants to give you a miracle stiffness in the joint stiffness in the neck listen there's a miracle here right now for you miracles are about to break out in this building miracles are about to break out tonight we're going to have an enormous move of God enormous we're just going to pray a mass prayer this morning and things are going to happen right through the building they're about to happen can feel it about to happen I preached too long preach too long so we're going to pray short and strong it's the old saying preach too long pray short and strong and uh, put your hand on the sick part of your body put it where the pain is now I'm going to do three things we're going to do three things together number one I'm going to pray the prayer of faith the Bible says the prayer of faith shall heal the sick and uh, shall heal the sick not maybe might shall shall in fact this miracle is breaking out Christians nearby, just stand next to some of these people because the power of God's going to come on them like a bomb, especially up this middle row. Just come in behind them. That's it. Christians around them. How many of you are ready to get healed? You know it. You feel it, don't you? You're feeling it. You're feeling it already. That's it. That one there. She's already got it on her. Or sister in the purple, it's already on you. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Take your miracle right now. Take it through your body right now. Now in the name of Jesus. Shakata brasti prebendi. 
Are you ready? Are you ready? Sister in the black, someone stand behind the sister here quickly. Quickly, sister, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Take your miracle right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, right through your body. Take it in Jesus' name. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith, and we're going to give God a great clap offering. Going to give him a huge clap offering. Then after that, even while we're giving him the clap offering, I want you to start doing something you couldn't do. Couldn't bend, I want you to bend. Couldn't move your legs, I want you to move them. Couldn't bend your arms, bend them. Do something you couldn't do. Are you ready? Father, we come now in the power of the name of Jesus, declaring that nothing shall be impossible to us this morning. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing impossible. Nothing impossible. Nothing impossible. Nothing impossible. Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Right now, let your healing power flow like a river, like a river, like a river. Right through the building. Let the healing power of Almighty God go right through this building now. Let spinal conditions, back conditions, arthritis go. Lumps and tumors and growths go, 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 go. Let's give God a clap offering. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you this morning. Thank you. Thank you for your miracle power. Thank you. 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 Keep clapping. Keep clapping. right across the building. Test it, test it, test it. Test it, test it. That's it. Test it. Nearly finished this morning. Test it, test it, test it. Do it like you mean it. Do it like you mean it. Do it like you mean it. That's it. People getting healed all over the building. People getting healed all over the building. How many people just got healed? Lift your hand. Everyone that just got healed, lift your hand high. That's it. Lift it up. You've just been healed. Lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. If you've just been healed, quickly come out of your place. Quickly come down here. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Just come quickly. You've just been healed. Come down. Come right down to the front. God has just healed you. Come on down. Come right down to the front. Come right down by the stage. That would be great. If you've just been healed, come down. Sister, come up here quickly. Sister in the blue, come up this way quickly. Yeah, come up this way. Lift your hands up to God. So come with me, guys. of your bond. Loose this morning. If you're healed, just come. How's that, sister? Where are you suffering? Jesus, touch it. Loose by the power of God. Loose. 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 
guys have been healed just come right down so just come right up near the stage so i know who's who just come right down that's it what's happened sir what's happened to you um spinal conditions it's like um when i sit for about 20 minutes or so um my back gets really sore and it's like real painful and stuff and i couldn't touch my toes but um I can do it go ahead that's good news that is good news what's happened i had a small bone protruding out which yes. is very sore for quite some months and I don't feel it anymore. She's had a bone protruding in her wrist been very painful for months the thing's gone, the thing is gone it's gone, it's gone it's gone this morning, what's happened? I just had an um, arthritis type condition in the hip joint and, uh, pain no comes pain. and going, no pain You're doing well? That's yeah. good news. That's good news, sir. I had a stiffness in the thumb, early arthritis. Yep. Now I can move it quite freely. It's just going fantastic. That's a miracle. Listen, that's a miracle. Sir. Uh, had a bad neck, arthritis. Arthritis in the neck. Yeah, it's a lot better now. Move it around. Couldn't do that before? With pain. Yeah. God bless you. You've been healed? What's that come up? Um, I've just had a really sore neck and was told basically that I would always just have it and just have to put up with it. And, and God's healed me. Oh God. How from heaven. Jesus. Anyone else healed? You've been healed? What's happened, sister? I have a gout. Gout? Yeah. Pain's gone? Yeah. So you can stamp it down now. Yeah. You couldn't do that before, eh? No. The gout's gone. Yeah. Gout's horrible. Good on you. God bless you. You're healed, sir? Not sure yet? Amen. Well, tonight, tonight we're just going to go for it. I'm going hand to back, hand back to the reverend. Tonight we'll just, I'll preach short and we'll have a long time. We'll lay hands on everything that moves. Uh, if, if you bring a cat or a dog, we'll lay hands on them. We'll, we'll lay hands on everything that moves and uh, just go for the miraculous. I'll just preach 25 minutes tonight, promise you. And, uh, and then we'll just, from there, just let God do what he has to do. We're going to have a great night. Thank you, Reverend. Thank you exceedingly, Reverend. Thank you very much. We thank the humble man. <laughs> just give him a great clap. Tonight we want to take up a special offering for him. Bless him and his ministry. And uh, I want you to bring friends along tonight, bring unsafe friends. Let's have an exciting time tonight. You're visiting with us, come on upstairs. We have a cup of coffee for you just up through there. And uh, God bless you. Have a fantastic day.